You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch. And uh, I know this episode might sound slightly different because I've been kind of trying to get over this sore throat of mine. And uh, Gary and I have scheduled this episode many times and rescheduled it many more times that we've scheduled it. So Gary, thanks for your patience. And uh, if I'm sounding different, it is still me. It's still here, Shekhar Raman, and we still have Gary Hawkins here. So Gary, you want to say a quick hi? Uh, So you're sounding much more like yourself, Shekhar, than you did a few days ago. So uh, no, this is great. Welcome, everyone. And uh, good to uh, get back with you. Yeah, well, today we have something exciting. we don't have a guest. I can promise you we have a lot of guests scheduled, but this is something that Gary and I have been planning to do for a while. It's about our top five predictions for 2023 for supermarket retail. And uh, Gary and I have our own separate lists. Some of them agree, some of them don't, but we're going to go through it. And uh, Gary, do we want to do like a five, four, three, two, one, or do we want to do like a one, two, three, four, five? whichever way you want to approach it no well, you know coming given the fact that we're coming up to the new year people like counting down so okay figured maybe we'll, we count down right let's do that let's all do right that. so so you know i'm going to assume we did a virtual toss up here and gary won the toss so. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna let gary go first but i do want to thank everybody who's been listening to us we're coming up into our third year of the retail perch wow. and it's been fantastic We've just had so many amazing guests and topics discussed here and certainly educated me a whole bunch. And hopefully it's done the same for you when you've had some fun listening to it along the way. So here we go. Top 10 from the retail perch. So top five from each of us. That's right. Top five for each of us. (laughs) All right. So number five on my list, Uh, retail media networks are going to continue to grow. You know, certainly you don't have to look beyond the uh, daily newsletters you get in your inbox from all the uh, industry trade publications. Retail media networks are being talked about almost every day. And, you know, no surprise, right? There's a massive amount of money uh, going in this direction. Um, I think the latest figures I saw were that uh, brand advertisers were going to spend $40 billion this year on retail media. 50 billion next year in 2023 and 60 billion projected to spend in 2024 year after next so massive amount of money here Hang on. you said 40 billion billion with a b yes wow wow yeah. and and where is this money going gary going to the so, ad networks yeah so you know what really started this i i think the big retailers and when i say big retailers you know walmart amazon target albertsons uh, you know, noticed what uh, Google and Facebook and, and Apple were doing with advertising and the amount of revenue they were driving. You know, certainly Amazon has driven a, a huge amount of advertising across its platform, right? And I, I think the light went on a couple of years ago for the big retailers saying, hey, we've got these massive audiences. Uh, can we monetize them? And I I think one of the triggers of this was the pandemic and in the pandemic, the growth of e-commerce and grocery retails, shoppers being much more digitally engaged, right? So if they're sitting in front of their digital screen, let's get an ad in front of them. 
And, you know, we've seen Walmart expend uh, vast resources building out their media network. Uh, I think I saw they were projected to generate two and a half billion dollars a year uh, or, or revenue in 2022 this year. Kroger, interestingly, does not release their numbers, but of any of the big retailers, they were probably best positioned to do this because of the amount of data they had on their shoppers. I and mean, Kroger has data on what 60 million US households in its database, right? So being able to leverage all that shopper data purchase history along with digital advertising, you know, is a uh, very uh, persuasive to the brands. Yeah, wow. And I and I also have seen trends where a lot of these retailers are taking uh, retail media networks in-house as opposed to going to third-party providers of the service, right? Yeah, yes. And, you know, I, I think this is going to be an interesting trend to watch, right? Mm -hmm. Because obviously it takes some scale to do this, to truly access those budgets on the brand side and not just, you know, repurpose trade promotion or shopper marketing dollars. But it also takes resources in the sense of having the systems and, and the capabilities to do this. So I, I think there's certainly a size at which, you know, retailer wise, it doesn't make sense to do this. So there's a place for third parties, but the challenge is, you know, the more parties you get involved, the more that revenue gets split up, the less there is at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, well, terrific. I mean, given the fact that we've spent uh, six minutes on the first of the top five, I feel this is going to be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's some good stuff here to talk about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's I, I, very interesting and time's going to fly by here. So my number five is in-store retail media networks are the next big thing. And I think uh, what we've uh, noticed here is post-pandemic is that you know, e-commerce volumes have kind of plateaued out a little bit. And I think uh, also retailers are struggling to figure out how to make it profitable. So I think there's a lot of push to get people back into the stores. And of course, I think given the economic climate, people feel they have a better shot at saving money if they walk through the store themselves and figure out the savings. And I think, so you're going to get more eyeballs in the store. And I know that when I walked into a Walmart last, they have screens all over the place where they're starting to uh, attract money from CPGs to connect with shoppers in the store. And I think this is a pretty open field right now. Uh, I think a lot of people are eyeing it. Obviously, there's infrastructure involved. Yeah. Right? As opposed to a website where you just display an ad. Here, you actually got to put up hardware. But I think this is a place where retailers may uh, look at connecting brands to their shoppers within a controlled environment, which drives purchases within their own stores. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and retailers, grocery retailers are well positioned to do this, right? You know, that they've got frequency of, of shopping. They, they actually have a good number of digital touch points between right. websites and apps and email and text and social media. <laughs> You know, some have screens in the store, uh, receipts, uh, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think in general, I think what we're agreeing on, Gary, is that see, brands want newer, innovative ways of connecting with shoppers because yes. nobody is watching TV anymore. Those ads on TV aren't getting as many eyeballs or impact as much, and they're looking for other channels to do it. 
Yeah. And just to you know, maybe close this one out, the other appeal here for the brands is, you know, at least the big retailers, Walmart, Kroger, Amazon, et cetera, are able to provide full attribution, right? So they can tell the brand, hey, you, you know, we displayed this many ads, this many shoppers looked mm -hmm. on it. Of them, these shoppers went into the store and these actually made a purchase of your brand. So for really the first time at scale, brand manufacturers or advertisers can truly understand and measure the effectiveness of their advertising. Right, right. And all, all the way down to Lyft, right? Yes, um, ab absolutely. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Terrific. All right, Gary, what's on number four? All right. So my number four is around the fintech disruption. Uh, I think we are going to see blockchain, you know, the current sort of crypto mess aside, uh, we're going to see blockchain as a technology begin to really transform uh, a number of areas here. Uh, digital coupons, uh, loyalty rewards. Uh, we're going to see blockchain serving to help retailers develop new financial services and new marketing capabilities. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I see that's inevitable. You know, at, at some point, there's just so much inefficiency in the marketplace about how these things are processed, the number of touch points that exist before a coupon goes from a brand back to a consumer, back to the brand. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just ripe for disruption. I, no. I think obviously blockchain's prime positioned to influence that, right? It, yes. Yeah. And I think one of the things for our listeners here is, you know, I, as I talk to, you know, people across the industry, that they, they seems to be, you know, if not confusion, but, you know, when people hear blockchain, they sort of immediately think cryptocurrency. And I think it's important when thinking about this space to really separate those two things. Uh, yes, cryptocurrency certainly is tied to blockchain and that it's blockchain technology that enables it. But blockchain tech itself can be used for a lot of different things. Right, right. And you know, given all the current conversations around FTX and SBF and all these <laughs> letter abbreviations that seem to <laughs> create a lot of confusion well, and yeah. lost a lot of people money. So, uh, yeah, right. blockchain is different. So these are tied to more things like smart contracts and being able to yes. uh, impact traceability, audit auditability of data, uh, you know, and, and honestly, I think, you know, this common ledger approach is a simpler way and a more efficient way of executing some of these programs. Right? Yep, absolutely. All right. So my number four is if Gary's is high tech, mine is completely low tech. <laughs> so um, I think that hot foods and meal kits are, you know, exciting. I think there are, we've already seen there was some of the fastest growing categories for supermarkets. And I think more and more people as they get busy and as they discovered during the pandemic that I like cooking at home, but I don't necessarily want to start from scratch with everything. Uh, I think there's a growing, I think you can see out there on the internet, there's just a growing number of services, whether it's Freshly or Blue Apron or, you know, these meal kit services, which are a real threat to grocery companies in certain, um, you know, demographics, right? And uh, so I think grocery companies are going to have to come up with services which address some of that because they're actually taking away business from yes. grocery stores. Yeah. And I see that uh, a lot of retailers we talked to, their hot food section is gaining more and more popularity. People come in more to eat those foods. And uh, 
it's ready to eat. It's, it's, it's at a price you can't beat. Definitely better than restaurant. And you have, I think, a certain number of amount of trust with your local grocery store where you think the quality is dependable for you. Yes. Yeah. So, so I agree with you. I think, you know, certainly hot prepared foods has been growing, you know, for some time, but, you know, going to continue that path. What I find interesting about the meal kit approach is the ability to think about customizing that meal kit, right, to the household or that shopper based upon, you know, food allergies, based upon lifestyle preferences, you know, I'm on vegan or I'm on a keto diet or that type of thing. I, I think that's where the meal kits ultimately really become a powerful uh, value proposition. So Gary, here's an idea. What about a customizable meal kit? You know, kind of like you have a Subway, you, you have a choice of 500 menus that you choose from. And yeah. you say, I want, I want a meal kit for this menu, this recipe item. And the retailer's got an assembly line of ingredients. They can put together, stuff it in a box and give it to you and you take it all. Yeah. As opposed to a cooked, cooked thing. You know, you know, and you can certainly think of having a thousand recipes there. You can obviously cook them, but you can have the ingredients necessary to That's right. sell other people, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I'd be willing to bet the old 80-20 rule applies. You know, if you look across a thousand recipes there's probably 80% common ingredients across. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think, you know, that absolutely ties in with a trend, you know, we both see around, you know, the growing importance of, of diet and everything related to nutrition and, you know, people's food allergies, preferences, et cetera. Meal kits offer a way to customize that and, and make that personalized. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So what's number three? All right. Number three on my list is uh, computer vision gaining momentum. You know, it's just, I think, Shaker, you know, this is sort of one of my favorite uh, areas uh, that I've been watching for some time. Um, you know, the and what I'm referring to here is the, the Amazon Go or Amazon Just Walk Out technology, you know, cameras, sensors across the store and so on. I think this will be the year that this really begins to gain some momentum here in the U.S. Interestingly, this space has already gained momentum outside the U.S. market, particularly in Europe. You know, in the U.K., in Germany, uh, different markets in Europe, you know, there, there's a growing number of retailers that are in this space now and, and growing both in terms of numbers of stores, but the size of stores. Uh, here, it's really been Amazon that's been driving this. You know, I think their largest deployment now is a 40,000 plus square foot Whole Foods store uh, with computer vision. So Amazon's aggressively going after this. U.S. retailers have been much slower to adapt, but I think this will be the year. Yeah, and I think and I think there's a format, I'm sure there's somebody who's testing this out there, which is maybe not convert the entire store, but have a smaller section of the store which is like more immediate needs high volume stuff that is in a smaller square you know footprint which which is which is equipped with the just walk out technology yes. yeah right? so, so a store within a store type right, exactly a store within a store type yes. of approach you know so i have a, a convenience format within my larger store that you can just walk out yeah yeah i can see that you know banning traction and i can see the smaller stores becoming popular in urban areas and it being a sub-store in a suburban area, right? Yes, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're seeing a lot more of this. I, I've been struck by the uh, growing number of shops in airports that either have Amazon's Just Walk Out Tech or they've got uh, computer-assisted uh, self-checkout terminals now. Uh, and I just ran into this at a brick-and-mortar convenience store. I'm, I can't remember just where I was, but traveling somewhere, maybe it was out skiing. Uh, stopped to get gas, went in the store, and they had a countertop uh, computer vision unit. So you'd pick up whatever products you wanted, go to the checkout, set them on in this area, and computer vision would recognize each one, and you just stick your credit card in, and off you go. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so I think I think this is... Also, maybe the year that Apple comes out with its with its glasses. It's been talked for a long time. And I think, you know, I think there's one thing about outfitting the store with technology. What if you could outfit the individual and then connect and do a checkout that way because the glasses recognizes everything and scans everything into an app and you can yes. be able to check out, right? So I think there's interesting shifts that could happen here. I think people traditionally have been thinking about, I got to outfit my store with cameras, but you know, you don't have to. The individual could be outfitted with no. all the technology that's needed to scan the stuff out. Yeah, no, that's right. All right. So, so number three for me is electronic shelf labels. And I think we've started seeing this. I've, I've been at Best Buys and they pretty much have ESLs all over the place. I, I think we've seen and heard from many retailers that they're starting to deploy this in a few of their stores. Obviously, cost is a factor. And there are, you know, there is a uh, return on investment here, which is a couple of years. But I think more than that, what it really enables is dynamic pricing, right? Is being oh. able to change prices midday or respond to events as opposed to requiring labor to go in and change the labels out. It's just the operational overhead that's involved in handling this. And then, you know, competitive pricing, people are always trying to figure out, you know, how do I react to my competition? And I think ESLs give you the, that ability to be nimble on your pricing to the degree that it's helpful to you. Yeah, so so I agree with you. I, I think ESLs have hit that tipping point. Uh, you know, we're seeing retailers like Hy-Vee that have committed to, you know, rolling these out across uh, all their stores and, and absolutely agree also on the support for dynamic pricing. I, I think where this could get really interesting is are ESLs providing the foundation to support personalized pricing? Right. You know, we, we're already seeing some of the big retailers, one that begins with a K, uh, you know, provide personalized promotional pricing. Can ESLs, you know, support communicating that to the shopper? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Interesting. I know there's been some uh, uh, aggregation in the ESL tech industry itself. You know, clearly that that's an indication that it's going mainstream because that means bigger companies are recognizing this is a huge potential and they're trying to buy up competition and become the single biggest player. So I think this is definitely something to watch for. We'd love to hear from you guys if you are thinking about ESLs. I think every single retailer has seen enough ESLs and they're yep. it's somewhere percolating in the back of their head. They're just trying to figure out is, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze type of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So coming up, number two. Yeah. All right. Number two on my list is we're going to see AI everywhere. Right. And, and we're already seeing this, uh, you know, we're seeing AI being brought into, you know, a growing number of existing capabilities like, you know, uh, associate scheduling, that type thing, and taking 
you know, good capabilities, good solutions, and making them that much better, right? By by weaving AI into it. But where I think this really gets interesting is how AI is enabling a real transformation of different capabilities and areas. You know, we're certainly seeing this in the marketing space. Uh, demand forecasting is another area that is just ripe for AI. Uh, and how AI enables uh, uh, process automation. And, you know, that is, I think we've talked about on previous episodes, is, is a really big, big game changer. Yeah, I know. And I don't know if our listeners have played around with it. And like we did on our call the other day with ChatGPT and OpenAI. I mean, the, the capabilities of what AI can do, um, even from a customer service perspective or or providing intelligence suggestions to people while they're looking through stuff, almost conversational style. Yeah. It's amazing. I, th- I think it's going to impact customer service, customer experience, operational, uh, obviously optimization in the store, whether it is inventory or it's looking at associate scheduling. Uh, I think it's just so many areas that are going to get optimized. And I think, Gary, we talked about this, I think maybe last year in one of our episodes about how the whole labor shortage industry is going to fuel uh, the adoption of AI um, in supermarkets and retail in general, because you're forced to now think of ways of performing the same services with fewer people. So you're going to resort to more technology and capabilities to replace that. That, That's right. Retailers don't have a choice, right? I I mean, it's really AI is one of the key uh, elements in in, uh, computer vision. Right. And interestingly enough, people used to be afraid of AI uh, replacing people, but it's the other way around. What happened is people have left those positions and AI is filling in the gap in yes. those positions as opposed to replacing people. So it's, a, it's an interesting, I don't think people saw that coming. So Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I also think AI is developing far, far faster than most people realize. Yes. It capabilities, right? Yeah. And for those of you who want to know how good AI can be, I suggest you go to beta.openai.com and go check out what this platform can do. It is amazing. It's going to blow your mind. I'm sure you've already heard about it on the internet. People have been tweeting about it and articles about it, but you can try it out for yourself. It is simply amazing. And it's 2022, folks. So imagine where this is going to be in three years from now. Yeah. All right. And so my number two is, uh, and I've seen this at a couple of places, smart cards enhance the in-store experience. And I think, and I see that in more and more places, there's, and certainly at shows, I've seen a bunch where you can have carts that essentially, you know, what what we talked about is this whole uh, in-store just walk out technology. And we're talking about another way of enabling that just walk out technology by having a smarter cart. And I think there's definitely cases where that's warranted, and there's more controlled environments where a retailer would be willing to invest in a smart cart. I'm not sure if you want to be wanted to be left out in the rain or in the snow, uh, but when you have controlled environments, I think there's certainly a case where this could incredibly impact the in-store experience. Right? Yeah, so, so I agree. I think that um, you know smart carts are a viable path and will be a viable path for you know, certain retailers, right? You know, maybe smaller retailers that don't want to make the the significant investment required today to go after a complete computer vision platform. 
you know, and as you call out, smart carts provide a number of those benefits from, you know, not only helping reduce resources required at the front end, but, you know, providing data on where shoppers are going in the store, where they're dwelling, uh, you know, all that real-time data that, that opens up new ways to really begin to understand and measure brick-and-mortar store performance. Yeah, and then I think, you know, this technology is going to become a commodity. I think it's going to become easier and easier to outfit existing carts with this technology. You know, it's like, you know, you know, back in the day, remember CCTV cameras used to be a fortune to have it deployed. Yeah. You now for a couple hundred bucks, you can have six cameras, access it anywhere from the internet, control stuff, open your door, shut your doors. I mean, so I think it's about uh, volume and it's about adoption. So, you know, I can see a retailer, you know, adding 50 bucks to a cart and making it smart, right? At some, yes. at some point in time, yes, the costs are going to be high initially, but then that ability is going to is going to increase over time. And I think you're going to have a, co- a combination of, you know, smart stores in terms of, you know, outfitting them with, with all the vision and yep. carts that kind of augment the entire experience. So, yeah, no, I agree. Stores are getting smarter. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. So I, I don't have a drum roll uh, sound effect, but we're going to add, we're going to ask our producers to add a drum roll. And this is number one for Gary. So what's number one, Gary? All right, number one, something near and dear to my heart for many, many years. I, I, I think this coming year is finally going to be the year of the weekly ad transformation, right? We're going to see maybe not the death of, but absolutely a dramatic transformation in the traditional uh, mass weekly ad. Um, you know, it's it's already become digital in a growing number of retailers, but when it's digital, it can become uh, hyper-personalized, it can become strategic, and it can become automated. And, and I think those are the three key words that retailers need to be focused on when they're thinking about transforming their, you know, traditional printed ad into this new digital world. Uh, It's, you know, how can it become hyper-personalized? How can it become strategic? And how can that entire process become automated? I couldn't agree more. And this is the one thing that Gary and I completely agree on. My number one thing is personalization goes mainstream in supermarket retail. And I think when we think about mainstream, where do you see content most from a retailer? right? It's typically the weekly ads, the website. Yeah. And I think you're going to start seeing personalization appear in all aspects of your interaction with a supermarket retail. And I think uh, as we talk to retailers, there's increasing focus and urgency in uh, leveraging their data to improve the experience. And I think um, people who were traditionalists who thought, oh, you know, I need to not do this maybe, are all jumping on the bandwagon. And this is, I think, the year of the personalization in supermarket retail. There's no question about it. I think there's just so many technologies that now come together to make it so much more woven and integrated experience. And I think people are now finally, uh, they've come to accept that the QR code is part of their life. Uh, it, it, it acts as a great bridge between physical and digital Yep. And I think that's going to become a huge vehicle to drive a lot of this content personalization. No, I, I, I agree. I, I think what's important here is retailers understanding 
that term personalization, right? Because it, it certainly means something different to every person you talk to. From, you know, personalizing a mass email just by putting their name on it to, you know, let's take the existing weekly ad with a few hundred items and, and personalize that. And here are the, you know, six most relevant things. What I guess really excites me, and this goes back, you know, decades in my career, my experience, my life to, you know, really having a true customer focus in retail. Yeah, it's as, as a retailer, you know, if I really have that customer focus and I've got 30 or 40,000 items in my store, I, I really want to be able to provide, hey, here are savings for you, each individual customer on the four or five, six, however many different things drawn from across the store that are most important to each customer. That in that represents a sea change, as you well know, in how retail is done in this industry. But yeah. we're already beginning to see this happen. Growing number of retailers beginning to move down this path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think I think there's no question about it. I think we're, you know, it's it's loud and clear. You go to shows, and you know, the word that gets used around the most and abused is personalization. And uh, yeah, but I think what it does tell you, irrespective of whether it's used appropriately or abused, is that it's on top of people's minds. Right. It's both uh, in terms of solutions that are out there and retailers themselves are thinking about what more can I do? Right. And I, I spoke to retailers the other day who are like, you know, my my acquisition and my growth is kind of flat. And I'm trying to figure out how to get more of my shoppers to come back to the store more often. And, you know, I think they're trying everything they can try traditionally. And but they're just not going a couple of levels below to understand true shopper motivations to drive them. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So guys, that's, that's, that's the top 10. I think maybe it wind up being nine because we, Gary and I agreed on a bunch of things, but um, hope this is interesting. I hope you found this fun. We have some terrific guests lined up here in the next couple, next few weeks uh, to close out this year. And again, if you were waiting and wondering why you didn't get the Monday episode of the retail perch. I'm sorry for your withdrawal symptoms, but <laughs> we're back. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're back. And, uh, you know, we should be back every week here through the end of the year. But uh, Gary, anything, any other closing thoughts? It's going to be an exciting year ahead uh, for the world of retail. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. And for those of you out there, be safe. I hope you had a terrific Thanksgiving and we will see you soon in a week's time. Over now. Thanks, everyone. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. 